Welcome back to Heddle's Blowout. If you are a listener or reader, you've probably encountered the many ridiculous fades coming out of Southeast Asia. That uh, in the land where it rarely dips below 80 degrees and 80% humidity, we get some of the highest contrast, most beautiful fades coming out of Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand. And uh, know some of the brands like Old Blue or uh, Cheese or uh, even something like uh, like Sage. But uh, there's also a huge, if not even more uh, prominent subculture of bootmakers in this same region, specifically in Indonesia. And uh, here today with probably one of the foremost experts on the Indonesian boot scene, at least on this half of the planet. Oh, uh, Ben Robinson, the editor and founder of Stitchdown, thank you so much for coming on. Foremost, at least on this particular episode of this particular podcast, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good. We got the right person on here. I've spent um, a lot of time uh, thinking about these boots, wearing them, being in touch with you know basically everybody over there who makes them, uh, advising people all around the world on you know who makes what and what to get. So yeah, it, it's definitely a, kind of a particular. Uh, interest of mine and excited to talk about it. And and thanks for having me on. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, me too. Uh, so before we get into specifically the Indonesian boot scene, uh, I was wondering if you give some background on yourself and how you became the person, like sort of the connect for Indonesian boots, as well as just sort of a foremost expert on uh, welted footwear all around. Of course, of course. So, you know, ever ever since I was young, you know, I was doing writing and school paper and all that and went to journalism school and have spent my whole career in some form of media or journalism. Um, you know, did a few things and left a job and eventually I decided that I wanted to do something for myself and I literally made a list of things that I liked and uh, boots and shoes were right at the top and, you know, felt that there was an opportunity to do something that, that wasn't being done in the space, um, dig into kind of deeper areas and, you know, just do it very, just, and, you know, just do it as journalistically as possible uh, and have a whole lot of fun with it and, and bring people along on, on the shoe journey, which is something that we always talk about, um, which I think is, you know, one of the more exciting journeys available um, and just help people understand, you know, there's a lot to understand there's there's levels of mystery um to really high quality footwear that if you don't dig into it you know you might not make the right decision and that's the whole idea with uh stitchdown stitchdown.com and you know we have a podcast too apparently podcasts are a popular thing to do these days um and this community that we're building in a thing called stitchdown premium and this discord that we have where you can just learn as much as possible um, you know, now, not just from me, from as many people um, are, that are kind of in this orbit and make the right call because there's nothing worse than spending a whole lot of money on a nice pair of boots or shoes, especially if you're just getting started and not have them work. They don't fit. You don't actually really like that particular style, but you thought you might. And then you're kind of out of the game. Um, so I think it's really important to arm people with what they need to know to make good decisions, especially early. And then, you know, kind of throughout this and, you know, have it grow into a passion to support an industry that is a very low margin industry and you know, the processes that are necessary to make good shoes are, are very intensive, um, take a lot of time and, you know, and materials are expensive. So you know, supporting that industry is the number one goal of Stitch Down and having people understand and, and make good choices if they make a purchase is really the number one overall goal. Yeah, uh, especially in supporting the consumer and making an informed decision is something that's uh, really difficult specifically on what we're talking about today. Because like a lot of these brands, you're communicating with someone over WhatsApp, like they don't have uh, even online stores. So like, what was your first introduction to buying or uh, interacting with the uh, Indonesian bootmaker? And like, what is the purchasing process like for, or at least for you? What was your first uh, experience? 
Yeah. So one of the goals with Stitch Down is to cover the uncovered. You know, like we, we talk about Viberg and Alden and Red Wing and, you know, these brands that, that people do know or it's not that hard to find information on. And we just try and give you more. Um, but yeah, to get people really great, trustworthy information on high quality stuff that there isn't enough information out there on. And it quickly became obvious to me that the Indonesian boot scene was one of those areas. So I started paying more attention to them, um, you know, hanging out on their Instagram accounts, which is kind of, you know, their main you know, point of presentation and, and point of sale in addition to WhatsApp. Um, just started talking to some of these makers and actually did an interview with um, Lars from Ustmu Boots. Um, this amazing one-man Norwegian bootmaker who like lives in the mountains, and asked him, you know, who who he was really impressed by, and he said, "Well, some of these Indonesian makers." I said, "Well, who are you most impressed by from them?" Uh, and he said, "Underhood, which is run by this guy named Rizki Rizki Afnan," and you know, resisted when I eventually did a story. Uh, the headline: Rizki Business R I Z. KY, and, which I was very proud of uh, not doing that. And so I got in touch with Rizki. I said, I love you know, this particular model. Do you think you could do it in you know, X leather, this kind of lighter, rough out, local Indonesian leather? And he said, absolutely. And um, you know, as he was in process, he's like, I also have this other pair that you know, somebody ordered, but they don't want any more. Do you want those two at a nice price? I was like, yeah, of course. And yeah, a couple months later, he finished them up and sent them over. And I mean, it was a revelation, like the way that these things are put together. And I think it's very important to note that basically every boot made in Indonesia that, you know, kind of is in this category. There's all sorts of footwear over there, there's cemented footwear, um, you know, there's mass produced footwear of all kinds, but everything that, you know, kind of the stitch down world cares about is as handmade as these things get. Like they are hand welting these boots. Um, they're often stitching through outsoles by hand, um, which originally was driven by just like a lack of machinery. It's tough to get the right equipment to do this, especially over there. Um, but I've talked to people, I actually recorded a, an episode of the, the stitch down podcast with Jesper from shoegazing, who does an amazing job, best shoe blog in the world. As far as I'm concerned, focused on more classic dress shoes. And he's astounded that these guys are doing all this stuff by hand, especially the outsole stitching, you know, stitching through thick rubber outsoles. Um, with an awl and, and pulling this needle through there. So I got these things and I was just absolutely floored. Um, wrote up a story on them. And next thing you know, uh, Rizky and Underhood is like having to do a lottery to choose who gets his boots uh, because of the attention that was coming. And it was really exciting to see. I think he you know kind of lost his mind a little bit for a while because he wasn't used to that. Um, but he's really adapted. And that was two years ago. And in those two years, the progress that all of these makers have made, you know, might have been three years ago, but I think it was two. It's been remarkable. Um, and they're, you know, getting feedback from customers. And a lot of them are quite friendly over there. They're all very, very close. A lot of the, the shoemaking uh, and bootmaking is centered in Bandung, Indonesia. Uh, which is a city of about 11 million people, I think. And, you know, they're, many of them are right down the street from each other. Um, they're competitive, but also friendly, which I think is really cool. And, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was kind of, you know, the beginning for me in terms of realizing these things don't just look good. They feel good. They fit great. Um, they're incredibly well-built. And the price is kind of the initial appeal with the Indonesian boots. Um, you know, what they sell for a hand-welted product, um, which at that time, I think I paid 225 for one pair of boots and maybe 100 for that second one he threw in, is just insane. Like, you know, Enzo Bonafé 
is an extreme value at eight or 900 bucks for a hand welted product. And they're selling them now, you know, anywhere from 200 to 400 or, you know, shell quarter will probably get you closer to six, um, which is just, you know, it's crazy. And the ability to meet these people, get to know them, talk to them, talk through your orders, which is essential. Um, very few of them have any sort of ready to wear line. So the communication is get on WhatsApp, get on Instagram, DM, hopefully understand that they're doing this with a whole lot of people and, and you're not the only one in the world who wants boots from them. Um, so, you know, making communication crisp uh, is key, especially because, you know, many of them, English is, is not a first language or in some cases, not a language that they speak at all. And coming in and saying, here's what I'd like, you know, what leathers do you have? I like this pattern of boot. Um, what kind of soles do you have right now? What, what do I have to choose from? And then just making some decisions that think you'll get, that you think will get you to something that you're really into. And, you know, depending on the timing, anywhere between, you know, a month and four months later, you have the boots. So, you know, there, there's some work involved. There's definitely some waiting. Um, there's a lot of communication, uh, in between. I want these things and I've got them on my feet. Um, but, you know, as you get deeper into the boot game, you know, immediate gratification is definitely overtaken by the idea that you can have something that somebody you know made by hand and is really unique and, and totally yours. And there's a real magic to that for me. You mentioned like you you got your first pair of underhoods two years ago, and I, I think like I first became aware of this stuff. It was like maybe five years ago. I saw a pair of Sagara like boondockers that were like 120 bucks, and it was the same yep. thought of like, how can they make these so cheap? Is this like is this a scam? Is this like it seems too good to be true, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I wonder if you could get into a little bit of the origins or where this stuff like came from and who the the. I guess patient zero, the Indonesian boot scene was. Um, and like, is this an anomalous thing that's happening over there? Is like with all these different makers you're describing, I'm imagining this like some mythical land where everyone wears, you know, Danite soles and has like heavy stitched down boots. Um, but like it, it, it's not a, a thing that's sort of universal for all Indonesian people wearing this kind of footwear. It, it's still a very small subculture. It's sort of like what it is in the West. Exactly. Uh, thing that people don't realize, and frankly, I didn't before I started just spending time talking to Indonesian dudes all day long, is Indonesia is huge. It's the fourth largest population in the world, 275 million people, which means that if you carve out, you know, 0.1% of that for a subculture like this, it, that's still a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And selling locally is definitely what these brands were doing at first um, before attention, you know, began to rain down on them and interest started growing and, you know, certain facets of the internet, frankly, allowed them uh, to even have that awareness to let, you know, people in the West know that they existed. But yeah, in terms of, it, it's interesting, right? Like it's, it's hot in Indonesia. You mentioned it already. Um, it's like, I don't think it gets below 60 degrees ever. It's often in the 80s and 90s. It's very humid. It's, it's not what you think of as boot weather. On the flip of that, it's often quite rainy, um, which is a great reason to wear boots. In Bandung, in Bandung it is a little cooler. Um, it's kind of an amazing looking place. I've never been and you know, had plans to go last year and obviously didn't make it for, um, you know, reasons, but yeah, it's surrounded by mountains and you know, there's, there's big river there, um, which makes it this travel destination. And there's also this, it's a fashion capital. It's a legit fashion capital, um, in terms of, you know, things being created uh, there's a major fashion school. There's a, a shoemaking school that many of these guys attended. And, you know, that kind of fuels this whole industry. Things started to get going there in terms of, in terms of high-end shoemaking. You know, as far as I know, there's, there's basically always been some form of shoemaking there, but 
you know, nothing that I would consider to be extremely high quality. Um, with this brand and odd, if, <laughs> if there's any kind of co-listeners of the Stitch Down shoe cast on here, um, you'll know that we have a running joke slash reality that pronouncing things related to shoes can often be difficult because they're old words that have been used by, you know, people who speak many, many languages over the years. And um, there's a lot of disagreement on it. Uh, and that sometimes extends to brand names as well. But you know, we're going to try and get them right or at least mm-hmm. come close. This is a safe space for uh, any and all <laughs> earnest pronunciations. That uh, We do this a lot on Blowout as well. All right, try this one on for size. Tejap. 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 T-E-G-E-P. So they came around before the turn of the century, 1998, to the best of my understanding. Um, These days, they don't necessarily make the kind of boots that I'm the most interested in. A lot of Western boots, um, some kind of hardcore motorcycle stuff, and then also really kind of crazy high fashion women's boots, but they were kind of the start. And, you know, a number of these Indonesian makers will cite them, um, especially the ones who, you know, were, were alive or <laughs> interested in these things back then. Um, cause some of these guys are definitely on the younger side, which is really cool. Uh, and not really the case in most Western shoemaking, um, which is kind of an issue for the industry that nobody's really figured out how to solve, how to get young people excited about the trade. But yeah, they were in 1998. And then Fortuna, or Fortuna, um, they claim to be around since 69. I I don't pretend to know what they were doing back then. Um, And they probably weren't really in their present state. They came onto the scene. They were doing more straightforward dress shoes and Oxfords and Norwegian split toes, that kind of thing. And then came Sagara, um, who you mentioned about a decade ago. And to me, they were really the beginning of this whole thing. And Bagus, who runs Sagara, I mean, he's a legitimate genius. He's an incredible craftsman and somebody who develops lasts and patterns uh, in a way that that few worldwide can touch, as as far as I'm concerned. Um, They started out a little more straightforward and were making some service boots and that boondocker that you mentioned, um, and some derby shoes. And over time, he really learned to develop his own unique patterns and, again, some just really, really well-fitting, great-looking lasts. And things continued to grow from there. Um, another really important one was Winson, W-I-N-S-O-N, uh, who, to this day, I think it's safe to say, makes the most beautiful dress shoes in Indonesia and Emil. Um, the founder and head of Winson um, is just does an absolutely incredible job, and you know what you get for the price is insane. Um, pretty sure he's still doing it, but I know a couple of people who have remote bespoke shoes from him, where you send him very very detailed measurements and information about how other shoes fit, and I'll send over a test pair, and you send it back, and they're cutting it up, and and finally get to something that. You know, true bespoke is is done in person for sure. Um, but to be able to do that, they're they're custom lasting, like based on like measurements that like you stick your feet in plaster and send them back to them or something, or well, they're just able to get it right. Yeah, so a, a lot of it is measurements, and yeah, to back up a little bit, you know, in terms of bespoke shoes, it means you have you know you you go to a bespoke shoemaker, they take every measurement available they look at your feet which is really a hugely important step and it's amazing that emil can overcome not being able to see somebody's feet what does your arch look like what are the everybody's feet are different and Mm -hmm. everybody's feet are weird let's face it um and you know create you and then use those measurements to create a custom last which is you know the form that creates the shape of any shoe um, you know, generally made out of wood. And, you know, when you're doing more mass production, um, you'll also get a made plastic. But, you know, hopefully this isn't too 101. But, you know, if you wanted a shoe that looked exactly like a Coke can, you would take a Coke can and wrap leather around it 
and then you'd have a shoe that looks like a Coke can, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. So bespoke is, you know, the the highest end of you have a shoe that's legitimately made for your foot through a ton of work. Um, and, you know, he was doing r- remote bespoke for well under $1,000 where, you know, most of the time it costs like three grand, 3,500 is kind of a steal for a pair of bespoke shoes, which kind of gives you a sense of just the value that you get from these guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then other brands came into the scene. Santalum, um, which I believe I'm pronouncing correctly, uh, was you know kind of a bigger early one, and people just got interested in it. Um, you know, you mentioned, or you asked why. Um, the- yeah, it's a, a thing that like I'm still puzzled a bit because we get like a lot of the best Fade Fridays of jeans come through, and it's these guys that are wearing like 22, 25, like 28 ounce jeans in this heat and humidity. And they're like, my name's Randy. I work in a silver mine and I ride a, like my <laughs> motorbike every day. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm not going to doubt that based on the fades that we're getting here. It's just like the, the contrast and the dedication to like heavy, intense, like almost like ridiculously overwhelming jeans um, is, is really, really impressive. And just like in the the research that I did before this, see that it, it translates maybe even more so in uh, footwear being produced. Yeah, so a lot of these, the, the Randy, like a lot of Randys basically flowed out of this and get ready for this pronunciation, Dara Kubiru yeah. Forum. My blood um, is blue. <laughs> is that what it means? Yeah, yeah, it's, that's what it means. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like you know about it. Yeah, and um, and it was just this this forum that kind of caught fire over there. Again, it's a subculture, um, but one that grew fairly quickly, and all these people just got you know kind of obsessed with originally fading jeans, and then as you know more you know kind of these like workwear rugged boots came into vogue and and became available. Um, you know, it's kind of a natural flow. And initially, you know, people were wearing Red Wings. Um, people were also really into Alden on that forum. But, I mean, those boots, to get them over there is not cheap. I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking about a pair of Iron Rangers probably cost 500 bucks um, to get or to get over to Indonesia. And then all of a sudden you have somebody like Sagara selling like an incredible boondocker for... 125, 150 bucks at the time. Um, and you're supporting your local community. You know, it was just kind of natural. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, some, sometimes that's just it. A bunch of people get together around something that they're interested in and, you know, drive the opportunity for people to, to learn this incredible trade and start businesses and, and just like keep pushing i i'll say it throughout but the way that these makers can evolve um you know it's kind of like silicon valley wishes that they could like move as fast as the way some of these indonesian boot makers do in terms of just getting better and better at what they're doing um and then eventually ordering better materials like originally it was a lot of local leather which um, you know, I kind of, I did a mea culpa on at one point in the Underhood article. I said, look, if you can get imported leather and they're getting more access to imported leather from, you know, very longstanding, well thought of tanneries, go for that. It's, it's worth the upcharge. Um, despite my first two pairs being local leather, which I wear to this day and I'm very happy with. Um, but it also, you know, it kind of doubles the cost for them and doubles the cost for the consumer. Um, which is, you know, how you, how you take a $200 boot to 400, you know, pretty quickly, which I still think is a great value. But, and you also see that local leather improving over time. And, um, I, I you know, I've, I've kind of revised my outlook on that to like, anybody could be pretty happy with this. If you're very exacting, you know, maybe you do want something from Horween or Merriam or whoever it might be. Um, but if, if you want to get involved in Indonesian boots, try out some styles and some makers and some lasts and see how they fit. Um, you know, 
going with that local leather and, and getting the price that comes with it, I think is a great option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, I guess local leather and the difficulty of getting machines in there because it's a thing like with making jeans. That's that's pretty easy. If you have like a home sewing machine, you and like a roll of denim, you can make a pair of jeans. But with footwear, like the construction methods require a lot more machinery of, you know, like lasting stuff or like much more serious sewing machines to be sewing welts. So that you mentioned that they might get around this by just doing hand welts and doing it the hard way. Uh, Was a lot of this stuff, I guess, like spontaneously generated in um, when these first brands like uh, Tegup and uh, Sagara started making uh, stuff or was like all of the tanning, lasting and like welting and like souls was was that all uh, already in Indonesia in some form, or did that like also have to be imported? Well, yeah. In terms of process these days, again, anybody that um, you know kind of falls into this category of, of really high quality Indonesian boots. I mean, they're not using lasting machines. They would never even consider that. You know, that, that might be a decade off for them um, with really high you know, high level production. Um, so they're hand lasting everything. Um, you know, like rapid e-machines are, are not that readily available. Um, they're expensive and yeah, I mean like the hand welting is, you know, kind of this beautiful workaround that has become their namesake in a lot of ways. Uh, and then they have a sewing machine to stitch the uppers, you know, like they're, they're cutting, um, you know, they're cutting slash clicking, the, the upper leather by hand, um, you know, they, they have some, some dyes to an extent, but they don't have those big machines that just stamp out the pieces um, really quickly. And yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it is, is really persisted to this day and not that much has changed in terms of how they're making it, which to me is an absolutely beautiful thing. Um, takes longer. You know, there, there's a limit to what they can do every single day. Um, but, you know, that's cool, too. You know, it's, it, it makes for a more unique product. Yeah. Uh, thinking about the, the scene today, like in listening to your uh, previous podcast episodes and reading your like rundown article on different Indonesian bootmakers, it sounds like a lot of them are really small operations that it's like, you know, there's a dozen different versions of Brian the bootmaker out there, just like all operating independently and working together to improve the craft. Um, could you give a rundown on who the, the major brands and makers are, uh, in, in the area now? I, I know you mentioned a few of them, uh, beforehand, like, uh, Winsome and, uh, Sagara and Santalum. Uh, is there like an exhaust, uh, you got an exhaustive list that we'll, we'll link, but, uh, any highlights out of there and for specific styles? We live in a fast paced world. Sometimes... You just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the noon membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code EXTRABLOWOUT. Yeah, in terms of, you know, to your first question, you know, how many people are making these, about as big as any of these brands will get is about a dozen people at this point, maybe Mm -hmm. 15. And, you know, then that scales back to these legitimate, um, you know, one man, sometimes, you know, one man with uh, some apprentice help um, operations, uh, which is, you know, how I would describe Underhood, which is kind of synonymous with Rizki, the guy who, who makes the boots. Um, at least once you get deep into this, you could, you could say either and everybody knows what you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Underhood's, kind of my my first first love over there and um a collaboration pair that we made together where i you know got a whole bunch of wicked and craig veg tan leather and and shipped it over in the middle of a pandemic um actually at the beginning and i was like i'm in a post office please take this giant box of leather and send it to indonesia and it, it took a while uh, how many hides did you send over just two uh, uh so we did a limited run and which, you know, he, if we were to make 50 pairs, you know, that would have been three or four months of production for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were kind of necessarily limited with what we can do and ended up making about 14 pairs, I think. Um, I, you know, he, he does a lot of things. He makes an incredible 
service boot pattern, like just as perfect as you can get. Um, but I love his lace to toe styles. Um, the LCV01 is, is the one that I have. And, you know, we did it in seven inch, which I personally think is really kind of the ideal rugged boot height. Um, and yeah, just the patterns are perfect. I posted a picture on Instagram a while back of the original pair, which is the same model, a uh, little shorter and today's and like the last, the pattern, you look at them, they're like, okay, yeah, it's the same boot, but you, you put them right next to each other, put them right next to each other and do an overhead shot. And so much has changed in at that point, a year and a half that it's kind of insane. Um, so yeah, I love Risky. I also have a pair of his low lace to toe shoes. Um, kind of obsessed with boot shoes over here, uh, on a wedge. Also important to know, like they kind of have, you know, not total, but very good access to Dr. Soul outsoles and were mm-hmm. some of the first brands that, uh, began to use them, which, you know, in a very short time have, you know, gotten onto a very short list of this is one of the best outsole makers in the entire world. He's in Taiwan. Yep, they're in Taiwan and started as a repair shop and, you know, just began making these soles um, that are incredible and, and really perfect for, for these uses. Um, so that's Underhood Sagara, uh, which is run by Bagus, who we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, one of the OGs in the space. And you know, another one that I love, um, we actually just came out with this collaboration shoe, which is named the Bandung Derby, um, <laughs> which is kind of an old military um, officer shoe inspiration. But then with this leather that at first is, you know, very clean and beautiful and just gets totally wacky, this, um, you know, shell in horse butt um, from Conceria Chloe or Chloe. <laughs> or something we'll get all these pronunciations one day um yeah so they do amazing shoes they do some for most of them outside winson there's a level to how readily i would call them dressy um but they do at sagara you know some boots with incredible broguing and you know kind of short wing patterns and uh swoopty which is that little notch on the side that you might see on an edward green galway um, which is the official stitch down term for that particular design it's flourish. A yeah. it's, a, it's a swoopty, uh, especially when you're talking about Edward Green boots. It's a mm-hmm. fun little they're, contrast. They're equivalent to, call the to the Nike swoosh. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they also make, you know, what I consider to be the cleanest monkey boot pattern, you know, maybe in the world. And, you know, monkey boot being kind of simple pattern, uh, lace to toe. Uh, you know, boot style that I think is just perfect. They're cord master. And yeah, and they can, they can make you a service boot. They can make you that boondocker. Um, their, their range is kind of unlimited. Uh, I actually have a friend um, who she got some shoes from Bad Goose and the broguing on the cap toe is her dog. And like, it really? looks like her dog. And it's like like the face of the dog and the ears. And Just like a, a stipple dot portrait, but in broguing. Exactly. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, I, I want my dog on my shoes now. Um, you know, that level of customization isn't something they do every day. Yeah. Um, she, she's gotten pretty close with Begoose. Just, you know, who, who's like, who's in our, our chat community. Um, so... Yeah, definitely ask the uh, whatsapp transcript of of that ask and how it was explained <laughs> <laughs> i mean bagus has one of the world's greatest dogs too and um you know surely understood but yeah i mean and cigar like they're just it's they're a wonderfully built shoe they are heavy and heavy doesn't always mean good um, but in these instances, like you just have this feeling of such solidity under your feet that you, you know, this thing was, was just incredibly well-made and like, and that's part of the progression too. Like, you know, the midsole, like the veg tan leather midsole and insoles that they use have gotten better and better. Um, a lot of these makers, my first two pairs of underhoods, you know, they have foam insoles as opposed to leather insoles, um, because that's kind of what they thought people wanted. 
and through feedback that they would hear from customers um, and, and frankly, myself, I was like, get these things out of here. Just, just give us the leather that we all love and are used to under our feet. Um, and they've all, you know, for the most part made that change too, which is, you know, just, just really cool to see. And again, like that flexibility and the ability to do that and to, you know, have no gaps in, in the quality of a product. Um, it's just better the next time you get a pair. It's kind of incredible. More brands, uh, benzene. Uh, makes really one of the best hole cut Chelsea boot patterns anywhere. Like the kind of that you'll ever see. It's just absolutely perfect. It's, it's very straightforward with, you know, a bit of their own touch and, um, they make great pair of service boots. They make some really nice engineer boots, which also Rizky slash Underhood does and, and a few others, but they're not all making engineer boots and, and benzene's trying to corner that a little bit. Um, but their Chelsea's are incredible and they have access to just some of the most unique and wonderful leathers that just, you know, look great up front, age beautifully that you'll ever see. Um, and you can get them, you know, on, on basically any sole and in different welt configurations. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for a Chelsea boot, again, you, you can buy one off the rack, but taking the time. Uh, to get something great with benzene, uh, I would definitely recommend it. Um, absolutely love what they're doing over there. Um, you know, mentioned Santalum. Um, they do a lot of collaborations with Pigeon Tree in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and have put out some real bangers. Um, their service boot, again, it's just this perfectly tight pattern. Um, they put them together really, really well. And they've started to experiment with some some really very interesting leathers recently. Um, so they're definitely worth a look. Um, who else we got? Monroe Heritage uh, is another one that I think even in the last six months has made huge strides in terms of what they're doing and their quality and their finishing and you know just the construction of putting these things all together. Um, again, another, another monkey boot maker. Uh, really love their pattern. That kind of style is definitely very popular over there and you know, has become more popular over here um, through them. And yeah, just again, like a really nice service boot, derby boot, plain toe, cap toe, you know, whatever you want. Um, Renav, Renav Goods Co. on Instagram. They are, they kind of took up the void when uh, Viberg discontinued the 145 Oxford, which is a derby, but you know, the old work work boot company calling their shoes oxfords um which is a, a wonderful kind of boot world anachronism that i love um yeah red wing does the same thing and so does thoroughgood right they they call theirs oxfords yeah every, everybody calls them oxfords it's great even they're the bluechers <laughs> yeah it's like well you're the boss of this construction yeah. company so mm-hmm. get those oxfords on in the board meeting um but yeah, they they make some some really really nice looking you know shoes slash low boots um, that they just they look great and like a lot of people are really loving them. Um, and also you know again they they do a service boot pretty much everybody does. Um, Tahura and Imperium are two more that um, are kind of in that category of just you know, pushing the boundaries and, and making these boots there. Both of them are kind of into taller boots, which I like a lot and working with customers and, you know, kind of creating this, this mini collaboration and having customers drive it. And then, uh, my boy, Prof Barnett, who is just, he started out with these absolutely crazy boots called the Hellboy boots. And it was like, the pattern was like, kind of flames all over the boot and so different like colors. The comic and, book character Hellboy? Like yeah, the, I, my presumption is yes. Uh, yeah, he, he makes, you know, better and better engineer boots every day and, um, you know, other kind of more conventional patterns that don't make it look like your feet are on fire. Um, the list is long. Again, there's, you know, there's a story on stitchdown.com. But, you know, the, these are some to pay attention to. And, and while most of these brands will make a service boot, and many of them look very, very, very nice, um, you know, as clean a pattern as you can get, 
they all kind of have their little specialties too, which I love. And, um, you know, want to, want to see them continue to grow that instead of all kind of turn into the same thing over time. And how would, um, any of these brands, I guess, compare to their Western counterparts of like a, uh, benzene Chelsea compared to like an RM Williams or a, a Viberg Chelsea or something from like Carmina? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, there's something to be said for doing it forever. Mm-hmm. Like Viberg's been making boots for over 90 years and same with RM Williams. Um, you know, Carmina is uh, definitely a newer brand, but is a shoemaking family that goes back over a century as, as far as I understand. Um, you know, so there is something to that. I think that, you know, outside of Winson, and there are other, you know, very fine Indonesian dress shoemakers that I'm just not any sort of authority on. Um, you know, outside of brands like that, which do an absolutely incredible job in details and finishing and, and stitches per inch on the welt um, and all those things, you know, th- these are rugged boots for the most part. And so those are things that I don't necessarily prize. But when you see the stitching, when you see the upper stitching, uh, when you see the welt stitching, when you look at the inputs and the materials, you look at the lasts and, and how they fit and how they look, um, and just how these things are are put together. And I mentioned, you know, kind of this influx of incredible leathers from some of the best tanneries in the world um, that are making its way into Indonesia and onto boots and, you know, out to wherever the customer lives. I mean, honestly, like, they're they're really, really, really darn close. And in some instances, like neck and neck with some of these brands. And like, look, I, I love Red Wings, um, but yeah, these guys are using leather midsoles and, and Red Wings often using a rubber one. So in terms of materials, I think that, you know, they outpace some boot makers. Um, you know, can I say that these things are every bit as good as, as a pair of Vibergs necessarily? In some cases, I think you could say that. And in a lot of cases, um, you know, they don't have that much catching up to do. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's different. Like it's, there, there is a difference, um, you know, to a handmade product versus one that's been made for 90 years, you know, largely the same way. Although like in the last 10 years, Viberg has pushed forward so much in terms of what they're doing and, you know, not just making heavy work boots that, that look a little different, um, for customers. So like, you know, both sides have, an advantage, I would say, whether it's, you know, kind of history and knowledge or, you know, just doing it by hand and, you know, and, and having the kind of low production numbers that allows you um, to focus on product. And, you know, in some ways, you know, they're like, nothing's the same no, like, to say what the best shoe or boot in the world is. It's impossible because it depends on, you know, what, what you like. And many of them are very, very good. Um, but just the fact that we're even having this conversation, like, are they close? To me, is a pretty remarkable thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want your dog's face on your shoe, there's there's no better you place your to go. Dog's face on your shoe. Uh, and yeah, nobody does that. Describe of like the trajectory that they're on, like that. In just a few years, they'll be the the best uh, shoemakers in the world, hands down. <laughs> I mean, again, who, who is like? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll they'll be in the the conversation that that certainly no one will be able to turn up their nose at what what's being done in Indonesia. No, I I really don't think so. And you know, like I in New York, um, you know, a couple of years ago, um, went to the Alden booth at the the trade show and hung out for a couple hours. And we're talking about everything. We're talking about Alden. We're talking about what I'm doing. And I was like, well, what's interesting out there? I started telling these guys who worked at Alden, one of them's worked there for like 50 years, I think, about this Indonesian boot scene. And they were fascinated. You know, mm-hmm. are, they, are they frightened by it? I, I don't really think so. But like they, they were wrapped with attention when I was telling them about this. And that was a couple of years ago. Like we're, we're way past there. So, you know, it's like great shoes and great boots. You know, there's more to it than just inputs and construction. Um, there's a lot of things you learn along the way, little things about just 
how to make them, you know, more comfortable out of the box and over time. And, you know, how does a certain type of leather work on a specific pattern? Um, you know, for people who size them perfectly, who size them too big, who size them too small, like, what does that look like? And, you know, that's the kind of experience that uh, a brand that's just been around for decades and decades has internally. How do you click that leather um, so it creases perfectly and, and looks great um, in terms of the different panels on a, on a boot pattern? Um, you know, those are things that they've been learning and will continue to learn. And, um, you know, I think that you know, I, I know that you'll start to see uh, at least one or two of these brands available stateside before too long in a ready-to-wear fashion, which I think is going to be just a major moment for Indonesian boots in general and, and great for customers who, you know, not everybody <laughs> is the kind of person who like wants to dream up a boot and have a long WhatsApp conversation and, and wait three or four months for their boots. And they get held up in customs and you know, I mean, all this stuff. Um, like I, I love that there are enough people to be passionate about it to kind of fuel this industry for now. But the idea that you can just walk into a shop and get some boots from one of these makers, I, I, I think that's going to be huge. And I think you'll start to see a lot more of it. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, say I'm sold and I want a pair of underhoods now. Do I just go on WhatsApp and hit up uh, Risky and, and get in the queue? Or like, what is the process like if you find one of these models that you like uh, in actually placing an order? Underhood's a tough one because he is very popular. And he blew up the spot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of kind of messed him up in, in a hopefully positive way. Um, so yeah, he'll, he'll periodically hold lotteries that, you know, you, you comment on Instagram and say, I'd love to get in the lottery. And then he'll pick 10 or 15 people and make their boots and do it again when he's done with those and, and get back to work. Um, you know, there, there might be an opportunity for another stitch down collaboration, but we had to have a lottery for that one. There were a lot of people interested in, in those 14, 15 pair, um, for everybody else. Yeah. I mean, you can go to their Instagram, which again is really the place to take a look at their work, understand what you might like um, in terms of pattern, in terms of leather, and then get in touch. Um, you know, most of them you can DM through Instagram. Uh, they'll often encourage you on their Instagrams to contact them through WhatsApp, um, which is just a little easier for them to manage in a lot of ways, all these different conversations and say, hey, I'm really interested in, you know, X style. I was wondering what leathers you have available and you know if if you can quote me a price because it, it is good to understand that although I think that they're all very incredible values for what you get and you know and then you you can kind of let them do what they do um which I think is is pretty interesting maybe you pick a leather and a style and then say yeah, just figure out the rest for me um or you can get all the way down to I want these outsoles uh, I want the midsole stained, you know, in this way or natural. Um, I want this color eyelets. I want this color eyelet and speed hook configuration. Um, I, I want my cat on my shoe. They probably do cats too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's having this conversation. There was another story, you know, kind of put out this big package um, of articles on stitchdown.com when uh the, the Indonesian bootmaker reference article came out, uh, and one was written by um, our friend David, uh, who has a YouTube channel called The Vintage Future, um, which is definitely worth checking out. And he's ordered a lot of these things, um, including also from uh, another kind of similar situation, uh, our friend Peng uh, in China, who uh, his company is named Flame Panda. And you know, for, for ordering from them, you kind of put together a guide of how to be respectful, uh, how to keep the process moving in the right way, you know, how to arm yourself for, you know, what's prepared and to have the understanding that this is how they're selling boots. And man, it seems like a whole lot of work to be having these conversations, but right now that's how it's done. Uh, although, you know, kind of trying to think about some ways to help them out and yeah, just get after it and, you know, be friendly and, and, and get to know them a little bit. It really is one of the coolest parts that you know the person, you know, who at least runs the company or possibly made your actual boots. And there's really something to that for me. It's like, 
it's a hell of a connection and you know footwear is all about about passion and connection you know to your shoes and if you can trace that all the way back to the maker like i'm i'm all about it thanks so much ben really appreciate you coming on uh so the website is stitchdown.com is there uh, anything you've got coming up that you want to uh, plug or let our listeners know about <sighs> yeah pretty big one actually so announced it a few months ago uh on october 1st uh there's the stitch down patina thunderdome uh will be kicking off and basically it's this seven month judged competition with over ten thousand. i i think i didn't actually tabulate but i think it might be fourteen thousand dollars worth of prizes from our incredible sponsors um you know 90 percent of which is is boots from Viberg and Wesco and and Sagara and you know just this kind of endless list and, and great retail partners um, that you just wear your boots uh, or shoes and you wear them hard um, you wear them over the winter which you know can can be an adventure depending on where you live and we have some incredible judges and they will you know pick dozens of winners because there's a lot of prizes. Um, and yeah, and then everybody, you know, will share them. It's all happening in the stitch down premium community and, you know, official submissions every month. Um, it's going to be a blast. So working on right now, hopefully we'll announce it, um, you know, a a week from week or two from when we tape, not sure when this is going to come out, um, to have, uh, one of the Indonesian makers actually be able to turn around um, you know, a collaboration boot about 15 pairs pretty quickly for anybody who's still looking for a pair for this. You have to start with a new pair of boots, um, which is why we left so much time so people could save up and make good decisions. But yeah, it's going to be great. Starts October 1st. Um, a lot of people are going to win incredible stuff. But the thing I'm most excited about is, you know, when, when this turns into a passion and, you know, kind of a collecting type hobby. Um, we all, myself very included, have these pairs that we love and never wear enough. Um, and certainly, you know, don't wear hard enough and, and with enough frequency. Um, you know, kind of the conundrum of boots that last forever and can be resold. And then you have so many of them that none of them need to be resold. And they're definitely all going to last forever. Um, so, yeah, the goal is just, you know, wear them hard, wear them well, wear them lovingly. and show what happens over time to a pair of boots that, that gets more beautiful, um, you know, with, with heavy use and, you know, we can all kind of bask in that and people walk away with, uh, some new boots, hopefully using the competition next year. Okay. Well, you can find that on stitchdown.com. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate you taking the time. David, thank you, man. This was a blast. And, um, yeah, everybody, you know, treat them kind if you order Indonesian boots and <laughs> go go ahead and flood them because we've already done that. Nice. All right. I'll, I'll certainly be looking up a few after this. Yeah, we got to get you in a pair. Let's talk. All right. Thanks again.